Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's doing well, staying safe, and staying healthy. I know different states are doing different things right now, and the numbers still are not looking good. So hopefully, at some point, we can move past this and, and get on the road to recovery and actually see that light at the end of the tunnel. I was thinking at one point we would get there, but we haven't yet. And it's affecting a lot of things. It's affecting everybody, you know, in the country, whether it's mental health issues, whether it's employment, whatever it is, every, it's having an effect on everybody. And those that love music, those that are tuning in to the Hook Rocks that love live music, it's affected you. And the fact that there's been no shows since beginning of March. So I'd like to welcome in our next guest she is the host from 10 a.m to 3 p.m on klos 95.5 in southern california it's marcy weiser how you doing today marcy what's going on hey jay i'm good how are you thanks for having me i'm doing awesome um thanks for coming on Uh, i appreciate you doing this i know like we talked before you came on where our schedules are trying to align and they finally did so i'm really happy you're doing the podcast thank you very much yeah, happy to do it, and, and uh, you know, just thinking it is a good time for this. We don't have live shows, but it's nice to sit back and talk rock and roll. Crazy year. What a crazy year it's been. It has been a crazy year, and we are definitely going to get into all that, but as we do with every first-time guest who comes on the Hook Rocks, we always start with the same question, and that is the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll, what was it for you? Well, <laughs> I was uh, I was youngest child in my family, and my well, all, you know, my two older brothers, my sister, they were all rock lovers. But uh, the middle, my middle brother and I were pretty close, and. Uh, you know, he introduced me to so many bands growing up. And I just remember, you know, sitting there in school, I was I was the one sitting there writing Blue Oyster Cult, B.O.C. all over my notebook, you know. Just all these band names. And he would introduce me to just some, uh, some pretty cool stuff. Paper Lace, The Night Chicago Died. I think I, I wore that album out. <laughs> That's interesting, because I had an older brother who was four years older than me who would bring a lot of rock music into the house. And I was, you know, mm-hmm. as early as six years old, I remember hearing Journey Escape, and I remember hearing Eruption for the first time when I was seven or eight years old. So I was like this little kid rocker in the neighborhood because my brother was four <laughs> years older than me. So, you know, I'd come, yeah. to, you know, I'd come to school with my Walkman, you know, listening to Van Halen or, you know, Motley Crue or whoever it was, and... You know, everyone else in the class is listening to Men at Work and Duran Duran yeah. and, and Cindy Lauper. And not that, you know, hey, you know, to each their own. But I was always like, and then it was, it was like a few years later where everyone kind of caught up to me, you know, when rock kind of had its heyday in the mid to late 80s and right. into the early 90s. You know, everybody was like, oh, you know, you know, have you heard of this band? I'm like, yeah, I've been listening to them for few years now <laughs> you know I, was, I, I, was, I knew them before they were cool <laughs> yeah I was like this you know 11 year old old fart you know like you know <laughs> like everybody would come to me with like have you heard of this man I'm like yeah I've got like two other albums already you know and and uh oh, oh my gosh when I was 11 I dressed up as Paul Stanley for Halloween oh wow yeah that's what I was <laughs> and actually I was talking to Paul Stanley I interviewed him uh, a while ago and, and I had to film the picture that's great. That's great. You know, life comes, yeah. you know, full circle. Like I interviewed George Lynch back in January and all I kept thinking about for like the first 10 minutes was my brother played guitar and I heard the song Kiss of Death over and over <laughs> and over again while sitting on the couch <laughs> watching MTV and I'm like life comes uh, yeah. life comes full circle sometimes, <laughs> you know? Like, it really really does. Yeah. So you have been, you know, around rock music now for a while. You, how long have you been, you know, on KLOS? 
Uh, it is going on. It will be. It's been. It'll. It'll be six years in March. Okay. And before that, yeah. you know, you were did some college radio, right? And you moved around. You were in like in Seattle and some other places. Yeah. So before I got my start was um was in college. I was getting some college credit, and actually, I was I was thinking about going into journalism. But I was working at the, the college radio station. This was decades ago. We won't talk about. <laughs> but um, I you know I was getting college credit, and a music director for one of the radio stations happened to be driving through and heard me. And he called me and he said, hey, you know, would you like a job? And it was almost as if, you know, I, I, it was, it, this career picked me in, in a weird way. And I'm, and I'm grateful it did because I, I couldn't ask for, a, you know, a more fun career, that's for sure. Yeah, doing what you love and getting paid for it sometimes doesn't feel like work at all, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I jumped around. I was at uh, KUPD and... Um, you know, I, I, K-Rock in New York and I was at Globe in D.C. And it's, it's, you know, sometimes when you're in this business, you have to be willing to jump around a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's really is the history of a lot of people in your profession, you know, where they start, where they grow. I mean, it's not necessarily where they finish. Yep. Right. So being around rock and roll, you know, is, 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 you know, for the past six years with KLOS and before that, you know, you've seen a lot of different things, right? You've interviewed a lot of different artists. You, you know, are, are, are familiar with the hurdles that rock and roll is facing. It has been facing. I mean, last year when we talked about the state of rock and roll as of 2019, we were really focused on the relevancy of rock music. We were focusing Mm -hmm. on how, companies that are advertising for the Super Bowl. I remember Dee Snyder had this big post on Twitter about and social media about how, you know, why there's no rock music in the Super Bowl at halftime. And wanted ACB for the play. Yeah, he's even started a petition, but that comes from the advertisers, right? I mean, they don't want to spend all that money at halftime on Super Bowl to people who are going to tune it out, you know, because rock really hasn't done much over the last decade, decade and a half in terms of, you know, pulling in a younger audience, you know, basically developing the younger talent like country music does. So there's a really big gap from the big fish, you know, the Metallicas, the Guns N' Roses, the Foo Fighters that can weather the storm like a pandemic now or weather the storm of rock music becoming irrelevant because classic rock fans will still go see them. They'll still go buy tickets to go see them in concert on tour, but it's the younger bands or the bands that play those mid-level theaters, the small theaters, the clubs that are really suffering because it's hard to get a classic rock fan to listen to new music. It's hard for them to connect to the younger generation, which I do think is changing I do see that, yeah. you know, I have a 15 year old son who, you know, loves rock music, loves the new bands and, and listens to them, but they're not adapting or rock and roll never really adapted like hip hop or pop music did with social media and singles and however they get their music out now these days. And it's really affecting what's happening. Now you add in the pandemic and right. you see all these shows being canceled and you see tours moving to 2021 you see clubs. And hopefully then, you know. Yeah, we don't even know that. Um, yeah. And you see the small clubs, the small theaters struggling to survive because they're not bringing any money in. So where to begin in 2020 on the state of rock and roll? Present day, the pandemic and how it's affecting rock music. What are you seeing? What do you feel is happening as this COVID-19 virus keeps going? <laughs> You know that I feel so bad for the bands that were just starting to gain traction. You got like Dirty Honey and um, and Rival Friends. They're 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 big in their own right, not so much in the United States yet. They got you know strong following, but uh, yeah, I feel so bad. And Dirty Honey, I mean, they're an incredible band, and they had all these plans. They're supposed to be in Australia right now, recording with uh, Nick Dia, and you know, it's just all of that was ruined because of the pandemic and they'll you know they'll be fine you know we're just we're going through this i think rock as a whole could use more support uh you know one thing that really 
irks me, the award shows, you know, it, and I hope it changes, but they really need to show lots more love to Grammys. They rarely do. Um, and that's really frustrating. And labels. Yeah, you're right. Going back to what you said, they, I think they need to take the time to develop young rock bands. And, and maybe younger bands need to be more open to developmental deals, you know, um, because uh, it, it, rather than a one and done strategy. And I think that's kind of been the case. Well, the one and done started really, if you go back to the late 80s, when all these bands became popular in the early to mid 80s, like your Motley Crue's and your Poisons and your Guns N' Roses. So, of course, record labels want to find the next Motley Crue, the next Poison, the next Guns N' Roses. And if you're not connecting with an audience by your first or second single, they're already moving on. Yeah. You know, because they want to. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm sorry. Rock needs to be fun again. That's it. Because I think for a while I thought it was going to start. Borderline angry. And not to say I don't love my metal. Because, so, you know, I do. But I think that that took out a lot of the, uh, the 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 girls, the women, the you know, and the sex, drug, rock and roll party vibe is gone. And, and that all sounds to be fun. But, uh, you know, when rock is at its peak, that, that was definitely part of it guys, girls, they were all having a good time, arenas were filled, and, you know, we're still filling those arenas with the class and bands, but yeah, I think it needs to be fun again and, and appeal to, and, and I love, you know, my daughter's 16, and, and her playlist rocks, you're listening to your, your 15-year-old son, but they, you know, well, your classic rock is timeless. We got the great classic rock bands, that stuff's timeless, younger kids always discovering that, uh, but it's cool, and it's it's awesome when these younger kids, you see them discover these new rock bands. And that's what it takes. That's what we need. Yeah, and I think there's plenty of great new music out there. You know, one of my, one of the bands yeah. my son is really into is this band South of Eden uh, that's from yeah. Columbus, Ohio, that used to be called Black Coffee. He's really into them. And he even said to me last week when they re- after they released their first single, he's like, Dad, they got like that fun rock vibe, you know, that – not a lot of bands have, you know, like a good time party band, you know, where it's not too serious and it's not, you know, too dark, like you mentioned. And I think he's right yeah. on that, you know, and I've, you know, I've, I've mentioned that the world needs the rock star again. You know, if rock and roll wants to come back, they need to have those identifying personalities that connect with that younger audience, like the David Lee Roths, you know, like the Tommy Lees, like the, you know, any, yeah. anyone you can think of from that era, Axl Rose or Slash or whoever, and there's just not. And I think people equate being a rock star with, you know, cooking up a spoon and, you know, shooting heroin. Yeah, right. You know, you don't have to do that, you know, to be a rock star. You just say what's on your nope. mind. You know, everyone's afraid of alienating half their audience now because it's so polarizing. And it's just, it, it, it it's difficult for a newer rock band to, you know, to, to kind of really be their own personality, be their own person. You know, and I've always said if a PR person is telling you what to say instead of after you say something, okay, how do we deal with that? You've got the wrong PR person. The PR person should, right. should, should, should manage your personality, but not confine you. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that. So it's, you know, I, I interviewed Tuck Smith, uh, who used to be in the Biters, who's got his new band now, uh, and they were supposed to be the opening act on the stadium tour with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, Joan Jett, and he's on the new Nikki Six label with uh, Alan Kovac, Nikki Six, you know, the manager of Motley Crue, and he mentioned oh, what you said about developing, like... You know, we talked about in the interview how, you know, the record label is focused more on developing the artist rather than just turning out single after single. And hopefully, you know, if you throw enough at the wall, something will stick. So that's great to hear. And I hope other labels, newer labels that start coming up, start doing that because that's really important, too, as you mentioned. Yeah, it really is. I love it. I mean, we um, we hear it's funny, the the boss at KLOS is always saying that next really big rock star, I think it's going to be a female. I think it's going to be, you know, the, the Joan Jett of today, that type of thing. And, 
Uh, but yeah, but uh, when I talked to Taylor Momsen, I think I'm with her on that. She said, you know, I, I don't care if it's male or female, uh, but uh, it, it's all about the song and it's all about the substance. Um, and, you know, the pretty reckless, I'm glad they're back at it because they were quiet, understandably so. She was really, uh, she, she was shook up after Chris Burnell's death. A lot of us were. And uh, was it Cato, their, their, uh, their manager? Cato, yeah. And, and they lost him at the same time. Anyway, we've got Death by Rock and Roll. We've got Aaron Jones. Uh, take me away, Seattle boy. He's incredible. You got the Who with Jacoby Shaddock, the Papa Roach. That's a great, that's a great tune. Um, there's some new rock, you know. Obviously, the record is great for tennis. He's obviously not a new artist, but the new rock is good. Bush, the Kingdom, Corey Taylor's new stuff. I think Corey Taylor's voice. He's got he he hands down one of the best voices in rock and roll. I'm a huge Corey Taylor fan. Black eyes blue is uh, uh, he nailed it. Bull beat is awesome. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about this new music. I am too. You know, there's the, and a, and a lot of it was kind of right underneath the surface, right before the pandemic hit. You know, and I and I've interviewed yeah. you know newer bands who are ready to charge through, and you know ready to really have a big 2020 and a 2021. And, you know, there's so many bands from the UK. You know, whether it's Massive Wagons, whether it's Doomsday Outlaw, whether it's Gorilla Riot, you know, all these bands that are just, you know, yeah. coming through. And, and, and not, unfortunately, a lot of the bands from the UK or Europe don't really get a chance to tour America because of the expense and how difficult it is to line up because promoters want that for sure thing. I also, yeah. I also feel sometimes, too, that a lot of the classic rock bands that tour there are some that do, but I think some of them need to do more in terms of bringing a younger act with them to get exposure, to you know, yeah. have them, you know, the, that audience hear that. And I know a lot of it has to do with the promoter and wanting to get that money and that guarantee by adding these packages. I mean, you know, you saw like we just talked about the stadium tour. A lot of the reasons why all those bands were on that tour was because they had to bring in as many people as possible to pay off what all those guys wanted, especially I think crew and Def Leppard were asking, you know, 3 million per show. Yeah. You know, yes, so yes, yes. that's why that stuff happens. I'm glad Tuck Smith and his band was able to get that opening slot, but I, I, I want to see more of that because that's what used to happen when I was growing up, when tours would come through Chicago. Bring in the newer stuff with them. Yeah, you know, bring in the new acts and bring in the new, yeah. um, you know, openers that you know were just having a new record, just had a new single. You know, I remember Rat bringing Bon Jovi. You know, when Bon Jovi just yeah. had their second album out. I remember. Yeah. You know, I remember Doc and I think no, it was Judas Priest bringing Cinderella, which was a great tour. Um, yeah. But there was so much of that, and now I just think because obviously money rules everything you don't get the newer act being you know included on these tours unless you have a you know another opener before you know in between them and the main act okay i think you know some of these these classical rock uh great i love what ozzy's doing and i love to kind of mix it up and he's now working with andrew watt i think that's really good for him and um but i love the post malone collaboration and there was so many young people, when they first heard uh, "Take What You Want," is that the name of the song? They first heard that, and they were like, "Wow, who's 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 this?" <laughs> we know that's Chris Malone, but who's that other guy? That Ozzy, he's going to be big one day, you know? <laughs> like, what? That, I, I saw that too. I, I I'm like I'm like reading that, and I'm like, who are these people that don't know <laughs> who Ozzy Osbourne is? I mean, like, just not, maybe not even his music, just but just from the show, you know? Um, right. But that, I think that does matter a lot, and I think that ties in with the rock star, you know. And and I think there are front men that are capable of being that way, you know. Like you mentioned, Dirty mm -hmm. Honey, you know. There's the band, you know, Joyous Wolf, who Nick Reese is the front man, who's got a great vibe about him, and he's got, yeah. you know, he's he's really. I mean, if you've seen him on stage, he's 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 just you can't take your eyes off of him. And I think there's others that can do that. I mean, the guy from the the Struts, Luke Spiller. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I've I, seen I've seen him in concert. He's got the crowd of the palm of his hand. Yeah, I mean, it does. It's you you, you got to have the talent. It, it's the swagger. You got to have the attitude. 
I mean, that's all part of the uh, rock and roll. You don't want to lose that. And I think that was kind of lost for a while. Right. But, uh, but I do think it's coming back. And there's, you know, Violet Saturn. I don't know if you've heard of them. We discovered a couple local bands here in Southern California, all teenagers. That, uh, and then they've got some incredible songs. We've been supporting them. And they're actually both going to be announcing record deals really soon. Violet Saturn and Slave to Humanity. There's another band out in Long Beach called Of Limbo that is really, really good. Um, And they kind of came from the same area that Joyous Wolf came from. They're both from Long Beach, and Mm -hmm. both bands are just incredible. Um, You know, I've done a lot of new music spotlights that kind of bring in these new bands and have them talk about themselves. And, you know, whether they're from New Zealand or Long Beach, it's great to hear that rock music does you know have these younger kids you want to call them I mean I mean they're in their early 20s you know making music and you know being enthused about it and 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 wanting to play for people I mean that's really important because there are there is that that element out there that says rock and roll is dead and yeah maybe in terms of relevancy right now it's dead but you know, when you think about all the new acts coming out, you mentioned Rival Sons, who really are finally starting to penetrate mainstream after 10 years, you know, when you, when you yeah. really think about it. I mean, they've been around for a while, and they're an incredible live act. They're an incredible band. J.B. Cannon's got an incredible voice. The whole band is incredible. Um, and it's just a shame that young kids it's not hitting them yet, you know? And I think it's slowly hitting them, but you know, it's just, yeah. it, it's, it's, you know, maybe, maybe this pandemic and with all the e-learning happening and being cooped up inside creates that angst that you need for rock to survive. You know what I mean? You gotta, gotta have the angst. Something I've noticed, there seems to be a lot more crossover. Have you noticed that country, the rap, rock, and the EDM? I mean, there's a lot of that. It seems like lately too. Well, you know, one of the things that country music does is they always take their legacy artists and they always pair them up with a newer artist. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've got their own music channel. They've got, you know, every market has like two or three country music stations. And, you know, they do do that. They do have, you know, whether it's, you know, I can't think of a, you know, legacy, like like whoever... I, I, I can't think of a legacy country music artist right now, but you know, <laughs> you're like me. I got a brush up on my country. Yeah, I'm trying to think like uh, you know, like what I don't know. Um, Garth Brooks, you know, legacy artist, you know, may appear on an album, you know, of a of a younger country star or appear in a video, you know, or whatever. Kind of similar to what Post Malone did with Ozzy, except Post Malone's already, you know, huge, but. Yeah, that needs to happen. A lot of that crossover needs to happen. I mean, you know, having mm-hmm. you know having a, a an identifiable rock star who's a, who all the classic rock fans know appearing in a video for whomever. I think that's important. I think you know because classic rock fans think that nothing worth listening to, you know, has happened since 1993. You know, so right. I mean, like they think yeah. rock music stopped in 1992 or 1993, and everything else after that is yeah. crap. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah. Okay, we're getting back to it. And it's so important. And I've always said, too, if you're a classic rock fan, how do you – it's like the parents turning the back on their children. You know, like like this music gave you so much joy in your youth. You got to support, you know, and everyone's like, oh, you know, these new bands suck. They don't. You know, not everybody should be compared to Led Zeppelin, and not everybody should be compared to Guns N' Roses. It's not fair to them for for yeah. Them, you, know. you know, I feel I, I feel bad for Greta Van Fleet with the whole Zeppelin thing. You just brought that up. I just you know they're they're such a young band. They're obviously very talented, and uh, you know that the and they're so sick of the Led Zeppelin comparisons. But come on, they're a young band. They're 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 coming into their own, and I know they're working with a, a different producer this time. So I'm anxious to hear their new album and and see what they can do that they'll, they'll you know I think they'll find their way you know I've heard a lot of uh, a lot of things it's like you know you gotta give them a chance what really upsets me about the whole Greta Van Fleet pushback is for years people have been hungry for blues based rock 
and yeah. Greta Van Fleet is blues based bla- bla- uh, blues based rock, and here we are building them up, and now we're starting to tear them down. And right. I yeah. don't get that at all. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, I don't either. How many rock stars like Alex Lifeson have said in interviews, let them develop their own sound. You know, when we were beginning as Rush, we were, we were called the Canadian Led Zeppelin and, you know, we developed and we became nothing like Led Zeppelin. So why why don't we do that? Like why, I I don't understand how people can be saying, oh, there's no new rock. There's no new rock. We need blues based rock. And then they get all excited about Greta Van Fleet. And then six months later, they're back to, oh, they suck. They're a Zeppelin ripoff. Yeah, because one person says it, and then everybody jumps on the bandwagon. It's kind of like I feel uh, I feel that way about Nickelback. I'm bringing Nickelback up here. You know, I'm I'm a, they're an incredibly talented, incredible band, Nickelback. Um, it, it, these haters, just, it, it, I, you know, it's it's because it's because they're a little crossover pop, and and rock fans say, oh, I can't like that. That's not cool. They are incredible. And by the way, have you heard the Devil Went Down to Georgia cover? I have not yet. It is, it is incredible. It is so good. And I actually opened up my phone today and I said, all right, you know what? If you're a Nickelback hater, I want to hear from you. How can you possibly hate this cover? If you do, call me. And um, I would say I, out of many calls, I probably had two negative calls. What do you see, you know, when you're interviewing the people that you have on your show, do they ever talk about, what's happening with rock music in terms of the state of its relevancy and the newer acts that are coming up? I mean, have you, do you ever get them to, you know, open up about their concern about what's happening or do you ever touch on that subject? I, I do. I ask, I ask that a lot of them. And um, it's interesting because I mean, there's a lot of these, uh, these classic rockers, they, they, don't look into new rock at all. Uh, Joe Elliott is a, a really good example. I asked him, are there any new bands that you're kind of checking out that you're, you know, oh, no, it's not my, it's not my job. You know, Paul Stanley, not my, that's not my job. Somebody else can discover that, you know? Um, but, but that, that's, that's part of it. It would be nice to see support from the classic state, you know, reaching out a hand and helping out, you know, some of these younger bands. Because that's, that's important. I mean, we need it for the genre. We definitely do. You know, I mean, that's disappointing that he feels that way. Because I can assure you when they were breaking during the new wave of British heavy metal movement, you know, one of the reasons why they, they broke America was the support of some of the acts here. You know, I mean, they got put on mm-hmm. tours. I mean, they got, they got um, you know, to play in front of people that, you know, if no one, if, if, if people had that mentality, they probably never would have maybe had the opportunities they had. And I know he's talked about the struts and I know he's yeah, talked about, yeah, yeah. you know, Greta Van Fleet. And I, I do agree with him that Greta Van Fleet should embrace the Zeppelin comparison instead of trying to run away from it. So I do agree with him there, but knowing all the bands in the UK that are just incredible, mm-hmm. you know, it's disappointing that he feels that way because I think there's a lot of artists out there that are, you know, waiting for, you know, an artist like Def Leppard to take him on tour or an art, you know, an artist yeah. like, you know, Judas Priest to take him on tour or Maiden or, you know, those things. I mean, when I saw Judas Priest, you know, they were playing with Saxon, you know, and then, and then they were, and then the last time they came around, they were playing with, um, oh God, who's, who sings the song stealing? Um, oh, um, Uriah Heap? Yes. So, you know, Judas Priest comes with Uriah Heap. Uriah Heap is not going to help Judas Priest sell more tickets. Okay? Maybe a couple percent, you know, like 2-3%, you know, are diehard Uriah Heap fans. But Priest is, you know, fan base is very rabid, and they're very supportive of what they do. They're going to come out no matter if it's Uriah Heap or if it's some band that they've never heard of. You know, they're... You know, they're yeah. not going to stay home and Priest comes to town and go, I've never heard of the opening act. I'm not going to go see Judas Priest. No way. It's not going to happen. Right. You know, so no. so why not use that to, you know, their advantage of bringing another young act out on the road with them and helping them get exposure? I mean, 
Um, I don't, yeah, I, don't, I think that is key. I think that is so key. And and actually, um, sorry, going back to um, some of these that I, I've asked that question to, Lita Ford, I did, and she is 100% open. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, they need to be, you know, I, 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 I know I've, I've seen Duff interviewed, um, and he was saying that there's not a lot of innovation, you know, with the bands out there and, and there's really, and I, and I disagree with that. I mean, I don't know if you really need to have innovation or something new to be good and be successful. You know, a lot of these bands, you know, they came out in the early eighties and in the mid eighties were not, you know doing something incredibly new. I mean, they may have the image may be different than what was before, but, you know, Motley Crue had their influences and, yeah, they sounded different, but they weren't like, you know, breaking any new, you know, component of rock music that didn't exist before. Um, I think they were, you know, I think they were just going to the edge more than the previous band that went to the edge, which maybe is Van Halen, if you want to say that, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's ever, you know, I, I think back, I mean, there's only only a handful of bands that really were innovative, you know, that set the tone for the rest that came after them. A lot of them came in the late 60s, early 70s. There was some stuff in the late 70s, like with Van Halen, like I mentioned. But, you know, I don't know if anything, when I, when I heard Def Leppard in the 80s or I heard Guns N' Roses, I thought to myself, I've never heard anything like that before. You know, it was just for me, it was just kind of a continuation of what would they were being influenced by. I don't know. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. And I, I mean, I don't think I don't think that's necessary. I mean, I think that uh, it's the stuff that we've been lacking and, and why uh, why mess with something that's not broken? It just hasn't been, you know, like you you mentioned the, uh, the strut. You, I mean, you got I love love his swagger. You got to have the the vibe and you gotta have a there's a formula there's a formula that works and we just need we need more and by the way i don't know if you uh are, are you a tiktok fan um i've heard of it i haven't really gotten too into it it might be addicting i heard <laughs> um, it is. Once you, once you, <laughs> it's uh it's a little bit addicting but um you know i've noticed that there are a lot of, of younger people more and more teens learning guitar, at least it seems, and um, you know drums. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of this, especially on TikTok, and and that's exciting because there might be a lot more, you know, young rock bands on the horizon. Maybe an explosion coming, you know. And and I'm already seeing it, and I'm getting excited about it. But there's a formula. There's a formula that works. Yeah. Not that you can't, you know, do something different, and and and, and yeah you know, what is that? It's going to switch it up a little bit, of course, but, but there's a formula that works. There definitely is. I mean, you know, I saw the struts up in Wisconsin, gosh, two years ago. And, you mm-hmm. know, it was a, it was a 200, you know, capacity club, small theater, and they were phenomenal. They had everybody into them for an hour and a half. And Luke Spiller was just, like you said, he had that swagger. He had the crowd in the palm of his hand. And I looked at my friend and I go, that's a rock star. That's a rock star right yeah. there. And, you know, yeah. I, I don't know why rock continues to be muffled. You, know, you mentioned, you know, the award shows. They don't even show the rock awards anymore on television. You know, you yeah. have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame telling you now what the spirit of rock and roll is, you know, with you know, notorious yeah. B.I.G. getting, you know, elected to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's mm-hmm. just, it's almost like it's being taken away from us right before our eyes. And I think we're, you know, we have spurts of people getting upset about, like everybody gets upset when those Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees are announced and then it dies down. And then, you know, you have yeah. people on my Twitter feed or, or Facebook saying, oh, I haven't listened to anything new in so long, you know. And I'm just like, well, mm-hmm. don't you read the posts that I have and the bands that I, you know, I post on my Facebook or Twitter? I mean, just click play. Just listen to it. Yeah. I mean, we have to kind of take it back, put it in our own hands, and or we take control, I guess. Now, when you, um, when you think of a pandemic, though, and you think of the, sure. fu- the future of live music and how it's ripping apart the small clubs, 
You know, I mean, I, I just had a, 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 you know, custom guitar maker, Mike from Hermosa Beach on the show this past week. And Hermosa has that venue, St. Rocks, um, that is up for sale. We've heard the Troubadour struggling to survive. You know, we, we, is there going to be enough clubs to support these younger acts or these, you know, acts like your L.A. Guns and your wingers that play these smaller theaters, these, you know, mid-level theaters? Are there going to be enough of those to support the bands that want to tour in the future? That's really yeah, that's a huge a, issue right now. It's a huge issue. It's 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 really concerning. There's a and, and I like that the you know some of these bands are doing these live streams and you know kind of experimenting with the buy a ticket and watch the live stream event and and that's really cool. And there's a band, a, a big name band, and I'm, I'm not going to say who it is. Um. But uh, they had the opportunity to do it at a, a club, local club, but didn't want to because they didn't want any any of the the, the money any of the money going towards the club. And I was so disappointed because I, I was thinking, you know, how do you expect these clubs to survive right now? They're not going to. They can't. That's disappointing to hear. You know that I mean. It's it's a really big issue. I mean, because I think of all the stuff that's been canceled, and I and I usually go to the smaller theaters. I usually go to the clubs or the theaters. I, I you know I'm kind of past the point of going to these football stadiums and you know these you know uh, basketball you know stadiums or where you know wherever they play because it's just so big and there's so many people and you know unless you're really up front. You know, you, you're not, you can't even see what they look like. I mean, I took my son to see Metallica, gosh, three years ago um, at Soldier mm-hmm. Field, you know, where the Chicago Bears play. And I thought I got good seats, right? Like, yeah. like I looked at the, the thing where I got, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get seats right there because that shouldn't be that bad. And I got there and I was, you know, I was watching screens all night and I'm like, this is not enjoyable <laughs> to me, you know? And, um, you have to be willing to pull a Dave Grohl. You know, he was at the Metallica show at the Rose Bowl, and he was down in the mosh pit with everyone. And I just love that man. Yeah, yeah, no, that that is awesome. I mean, you know, and, and you mentioned you know someone carrying the flag for rock music. You know, as these bands go away because of age and father time, you know, Foo Fighters is really the the one band that's going to be able to play stadiums, play, you know, you know, your, your, your football stadiums and your, your big amphitheaters and, and whatnot. So, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's such a great guy. He's such a nice guy too. And he's a great ambassador for rock and roll. And, you know, he's taken the struts out on tour and, and he does a lot to, you know, bring in newer acts as well. So I always appreciate that. I mean, Taylor Hawkins has his solo album and, you know, he's playing these festivals and parks in Southern California which I think is really mm-hmm. cool, but there's not enough of those guys doing that. And, and during this pandemic, you know, we've got the Save Our Stages, you know, organization that's trying to raise money for these clubs all over. But, you know, I, I feel like I'm not going to have a place to go see these bands when this is all over because I do enjoy the smaller venues. I do too. There's nothing like an intimate venue when you're there watching a show, the experience of that. And, and I'm really worried too. And I, I would like to see, you know, more bands support and not to say that uh, bands aren't supporting, but I was just disappointed, you know, when, it, and, and right now it's, it's kind of like a, this is so new. We've, none of us have experienced a pandemic in our lifetime. Most of us, very few. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's all experimental. We'll see, we'll see how this goes down. But uh, yeah, I would like to see the support for these these smaller venues. They need it. When you think about the future of rock and roll, what do you think is the biggest obstacle for rock and roll? Yes. Uh, mm, that's a big question. I, the biggest obstacle support not having the support that they need. Are you talking in terms of fans? Are you talking in terms of like you know the 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 bigger fish in the in the game? 
you know, it, both, all of it. All, I, I'm talking all of it, all the way around. I think uh, they need the bigger fish. They need that support. They need support from radio stations. They need support from fans. They need support from labels. Why? Why do you think you know being in in, in radio? Why do you think it's hard for rock stations to survive in 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 markets all over the country? Here's what I found, and I have been extremely lucky in my career in radio. I've had, for the most part, I've had the autonomy, you know, to, to do, I, I've been able to do what I, I want to do, and that's not always the case, uh, probably in a lot of cases, and I've been very lucky. And so if I'm passionate about something, if I want to play it, I'll, I'm going to play it. And that is a rare, <laughs> that's a rare thing. You don't see that anymore. Everything is, is just, you know, you got the schedule, you, you, you play what, what you're told to play. Um, I think docs need the pa- need to need to have the freedom and so that they can express because people can pick up on your passion. People can feel that if you love something, they're going to be like, "Wow, okay, I need to give this a chance." Otherwise, it's all right. I heard this song last hour. You know, what what what, what good is that going to do? You know, I mean, I, the, the whole thing about radio, you, you have to appeal to the community. It's uh, I look at it at it as an extended family. And it's important. Local radio is very important, you know. Otherwise, you lose it. You just can't. You got to have some of that. It's just more personable. It's not, you know, a Spotify playlist. But yeah, I mean, you've got to have passion from the dot. You've got to give it dot the freedom to to play what they're excited about. That's going back to the old school DJing. I feel really strongly about that, and I've been very lucky. You know, when I think I'm back. When I think back of, you know, the, the the rock radio stations that I used to listen to, you know, they, they did have the DJ personalities and they were allowed to play what they wanted, which was great. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember listening to old stations like WMET in Chicago and hearing Judas Priest into Dokken, into the Greg Kinban, into Van Halen. You know, it was just it was awesome. It was great. Um, and that went away. And is it, you know, when you think of radio now, you know, because I traveled in the fall to Colorado with my son and got in the mm-hmm. rental car, you know, was trying to find a rock station, found a classic rock station. And it was like they played and I had it on the whole time, every time we got in the car when we were there. And it was like the same cycle of songs. I think it was, I think they only had like 50 songs in their rotation or a hundred songs or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and I remember hearing back in black by ACDC twice in a four hour period. Um, and I think it gets so watered down that it's, you know, there's nothing new unless you're in like a college radio station where they can play new rock and, you know, new artists and they're kind of have that freedom to do that you're really not getting much. And I think that, I think people get frustrated with that. Like, you know, where's the deep cuts from Aerosmith or where's the deep cuts from Van Halen or Led Zeppelin? And they just play the same formula over and over again. And I think that's, you know, that's, that takes a part too, you know, like it doesn't have the, you know, rock doesn't really have the infrastructure. And I've talked about this before to really succeed at this point. They don't, you know, it's uh, when it comes to uh, radio, you have to, so it's interesting because there's a fine line you want to play and, and the masses are not musicologists. You know, they don't go, they don't go deep. They don't know the deep cuts. You don't want people to tune out. So it's a fine line. That's why you want to play the familiar quest. People, you know, they get in the car and turn the radio on for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then they're out. And then, you know, so, I mean, you want to play the familiar stuff. That's, that's the fine line though. That's where you can get a little too repetitive. You want people to be able to get in the car and sing along with something they know. However, <laughs> there's a balance. And, you know, and I guess, I guess where I have that outlet, I've got a feature um, during my show that allows me to just play whatever the hell I want. You know, Rick James, cool. I'm throwing it on. I, I, somebody requested it. At fifth, I'm going to throw it on. You know, just you got to have some of that. You've got you to have an outlet. But it's a balance. It's a balancing game. Do you feel that rock hasn't adapted to 
connecting with the younger audience with technology. You know, every every kid now has a cell phone. They have access to music. I know my son listens to rock music, so he's not part of the problem. But I feel sometimes where, you know, compared to like hip hop or pop music or even country, where rock is kind of behind because we all know and we all remember those experiences of buying an album and right. you had the album cover and that was always a big thing and then you had the liner notes and it was like an experience rock and roll really was an experience i don't know if that experience was shared in pop music or with hip-hop or with country where you know that whole i mean like you would sit with an album for like a week or a few weeks, you know, you would just listen to yeah. it over and over again. And now with the attention span of the younger generation being very short and very quick, I mean, what, mm-hmm. what's released on Friday is irrelevant by Monday. Um, right. You know, I, I think that also is a huge thing. I don't think rock has figured out a way to connect with that young, younger audience. And I go back to earlier in our conversation about the rock star. And I think, you know, Hip hop has embraced the rock star lifestyle. Yes, yeah. I mean, they're you know, Definitely. I mean, it's not rock music, but they are. They have embraced you know the 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 you know the bling and the and the, the lifestyle, yeah, the lifestyle, 100%. all that stuff. And I don't know why rock stop stop doing that. I don't know why. Like, name, tell me one new band or one band you know that 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 now has that type of fun party time. Van Halen-ish. I mean, when you remember Van Halen when they came on, I mean, it was like, like, dude, who are these guys? Like, David Lee Roth was like one of the most electrifying people to watch growing well, up. Well, David Lee Roth is one in his own. I mean, you know, he's, sure, yeah, sure. he's an amazing. But even Axl Rose, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, right. even Steven Tyler, you know, I mean, it was just like the rock star. They had that aura around them. I remember, was it Martha Quinn from MTV said one time in an interview, no matter what question you asked David Lee Roth, he was going to answer with what he wanted to say. It didn't matter. Yep. And, and, and where is yep. that? Why did, we, why did Rock stop that? I don't, I don't get it. So I think part of that is, is um, learning. I think it goes back to taking the time to develop these young rock bands. Uh, you know, I think a dirty honey. Mark LaBelle, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm throwing this out there. But it's true. Um, they're a very, you know, they're a, a, a younger, new band breaking through right now. And I love Mark. I love Mark on stage. He's got he's, he's got the swagger. I love every single one of them. They can bring it. If you've seen them live, you know that they can bring it. And it's just very exciting. So they, I see a, just a solid teacher for Dirty Honey. Uh, but um, I saw Mark really early on. And then I see him now, and he's become that rock star. Does that make sense? Like, it, it takes time, and you have to say, it, it, it's, it's an attitude, and it's really nice to see. But it, it takes time. And, and labels, this is like a label, too. They need to take the time to develop these young rock bands. But when I, you know, when I think of, like, you know, because I've talked to Mark, too. Mark, great dude, awesome voice. Like you said, he's got the swagger. But what what frustrates me is you have a new hip hop act that has a video that goes right into that lifestyle. It goes right into you know what you know. I mean, hip hop to me, with in terms of the presentation, is a lot like you know the the quote unquote hair band era of the glam era of the of the late eighties into the early nineties, where it became very formula. It became pretty much the same thing. I mean, every video videos were so similar. A lot of it was filmed on the same stages, so you could say, "Oh yeah, I think didn't Poison just have a video like that?" Um, yeah. And and hip hop does that, whereas rock, I don't know, just like it, you know, you said developing, and I agree with you. I mean, I think labels need to develop the artist, but I also think they need to be rock stars. I also think they can't be confined to playing it safe. And I think a lot of bands, right. whether it's their PR, whether it's the label, whether it's their management. Play it safe too much. Be the rock star. Everybody, yeah, everybody has to be politically correct these days. Everybody is so sensitive. Everyone is too overly sensitive, and and it's going to take 
it's going to take that uh, that rock star with enough confidence to just break that and and say no you know this is what that's what it is that's what it is I, I think of what you just said you know everybody's so sensitive everybody's quick to do the boycott thing you know if they don't like something that someone yeah. says or hears people forget that if they don't like what they hear they can turn it off they can change the station I think of Ted Nugent and I think of his music yeah. I don't agree with anything Ted Nugent says at all, <laughs> ever. But I still love Stranglehold. I still love, you know, Free For All. I still love, you know, him his music. And I'm not going to, like, stop listening to Ted Nugent and take that joy away from me that I've enjoyed for so many years. So what if, right. he, so what if I don't agree with anything he says? I still like his music. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's always been those who have said, you know, oh, why is that? Why are they getting involved in politics? And why, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to turn them off and never going to listen. But uh, but you're right. I mean, when you love the music, you love the music. And it's a free country. People have the right to speak their mind. And we all be tolerant of opinions, period. I, I'm so tired of the politics. I'm so tired of it. But, you know, we live in a, a great country where we can speak our minds. We can. So, doesn't mean you can you don't have to you don't have to hate the music because of an artist's opinion. I one hundred percent agree. You know, George Lynch is another example. George Lynch really walks the walk when it comes to his activism. You know, I mean he mm-hmm. does a lot with the homeless in LA. He does a lot with Native Americans. He was involved in the protest with the pipeline that was being built through the Dakotas. He was there. I mean he was there when they had the hoses out and they were spraying the people and everything and I hate yeah. I hate when people use the term stay in your lane rock music has always been or has always been counterculture it's always been the middle finger you look back at the 60s with the protest about the Vietnam War you look at Woodstock mm-hmm. which is probably the biggest event in rock and roll history you look at all those bands that were on the bill all had protest songs you know, people look at me with like they're deer in the headlights when I tell them that War Pigs by Black Sabbath is a protest song. You know, it's it's about yeah. it's yeah. anti-military. You know, and they're like, yeah. I didn't I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so but you've you've been enjoying Black Sabbath music for decades. So why should you stop? You know, I mean, right. if you I mean don't... music is all in the translation, right? It's all about it's, 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 and I think most artists want you to hear it how you want to hear it. Sure. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, there's always the interpretation of the fan that, you know, makes, you know, but there are certain subjects though, that where you say, well, yeah, this is, this is definitely a protest song. You know what I mean? So this is obviously about that. Yeah. 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 But so rock and roll has always been about that. I mean, I remember when people were walking out of Roger Waters concert, you know, three, four years ago because they didn't like the political subject matter. You spent how much money on Roger Waters and you did not know that right <laughs> <laughs> you did not know his history right. and like how he's you know very political like how did you not know that um <laughs> my coworker was talking about someone who was complaining about punk music saying could you just leave the politics out please and it's like um <laughs> i'm yeah. not sure if you're aware of this but punk music is usually political very political <laughs> thing but, yeah. you know, I, I get upset when I, you know, I, I did something on my Twitter a few months ago with, you know, with Bon Jovi and there were responses. Oh, he's a liberal. Well, so what? So what? His music's yep. still good. You know, Ted Nugent is, is a conservative. I still love his music. You know, whether it's Nikki yep. Six or whoever is saying whatever, you don't have to agree with somebody to, to enjoy it. And I think that plays into a lot of what's been happening because there are people that are afraid of alienating 50% of their audience. And I, and I understand that if they're a new band, that's huge for them. You know, they don't want to do that, but at the same time, you may alienate the people in my demographic, but you may connect with all of the younger generation. Who's like, Ooh, who's this guy with all this controversy? Because when you're controversial, younger kids want to listen to you. When the parents say, don't listen. Yep. They want to listen. It's always been that way. Yep. Yep. Always. Yep. I mean, yep. My son just watched The Dirt, you know, a few months ago. He is a. It really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I did not know that was happening. But. Hey, my daughter did too, and I didn't know either. So yeah. we're in the same boat. 
Yeah, he's like, I'm like, have you seen the dirt? He's like, yeah, multiple times. I'm like, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, especially that opening scene. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, that's immediately what I thought about. I'm like, uh, so he's seen that several times. So, um, but oh. you, you know, but but him and his friends who've all seen it are huge Motley Crue fans. I mean, if mm-hmm. you want to look at a prime example of how to connect with the younger generation, Forbes magazine did throw a machine gun Kelly in the movie. Absolutely. <laughs> and throw him in the song. That's the most popular song you've released in 20 years. Yeah. Forbes magazine did an article about Motley Crue where prior to the dirt, their demographic of people who bought their music and their tickets and their merchandise was like 31 to 50. After the movie, it was the, the biggest demographic was 18 to 25. Yeah. And they're going, God, I, I missed out on this. The 80s, they must have been pretty cool. Yeah. And you watch that movie, right? Because we've all seen it. And it yeah. is, you know, it's, it's, it shows a lot of things that are not politically correct now. And <laughs> it connected with the younger audience. I mean, it, it's become like the Fast Times at Ridgemont High of their generation. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. You know, so, you know, when I say the rock star thing or when you and I talk about it, I mean, there's some truth to that. There's some validity to that, that if you're a little bit controversial and your parents don't want you to listen to it, kids will find a way. I remember smuggling Ozzy Osbourne albums into my house, Iron Maiden albums into my house, you know? (laughs) So that's a huge, huge thing. But I still think, you know, moving forward, the biggest thing is the obstacles created by this pandemic. You know, whatever the, what the state of rock and roll was in going into 2020 is now faced with a bigger hurdle in 2021 because of where are these bands going to play? Are these clubs going to be able yeah, to survive? You know, I guess the silver lining here is uh, we're going to see some some creativity. You, you've got to get creative. You've got to think out of the box. We've got these drive-in concert tap starting to happen, you know, the live streams. And uh, that's, I mean, that's all we can do right now. Right. You know, but we have to get as creative as possible. We'll get through it. Yeah, no, it, 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 I do think we will get through it. Um, I just don't know what it's going to look like when we do. You know, I mean, how, how yeah. decimated are these small clubs going to be? You know, I mean, and, you know, will it take yeah. markets completely out of tours? I mean, you know, if there's one club in Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, is a band not going to be able to tour there because that one club shut down? You know, so, right. you know, that, those yeah. are the things that, you know, that we need to think about. You know, when you hear the Troubadour might be closing, I just, I'm like, I can't believe that would that could happen, you know? No, I know. I know. It's so disturbing. I, you, but, you know, not not but, because, I mean, it's a, it's a problem and it's very scary. You've got the movie theaters faced with the same thing. I mean, here's the thing, though. So now we can watch these movies in our own home. So, I mean, for me personally, I don't think that's the same thing. You don't get the movie experience. You're not going to the theater, getting the popcorn, taking your seat, and it's... That's a whole experience. I agree. It's not the same as hanging out on your couch, but and and neither is you know watching a, a live stream event. It's pretty cool, and it's still cool, and it's it's the next best thing at this point. But um, yeah, you're 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 missing out on that experience for sure. Absolutely. You know, I took my son to see the Rink of Tours last summer, and we walked out of that show, and he was floored. He was like, "They were incredible." I mean. They, they didn't allow cell phones, so you had to put them in those those packets or those pockets that they have, you know, so you couldn't use your cell phone. So everybody was into the show. The, the theater was incredibly, insanely hot. You were just sweating, just standing still. And, yeah. you know, they, they come on, they just blew the doors off the place, and my son was in awe. And you can't get that on a live stream. You can't. No, no, you can't. You can't. Yeah, I'm worried about that, too. I'm really worried about that, too. I'm yeah. worried about losing these clubs. They need support. And then the other flip side of it is, is is the bands. You know, are the bands... You know, I interviewed Eddie Spaghetti from the Super Suckers. I don't know if you're familiar with them. But, you know... No, I'm not. Oh, the Super Suckers have been around for a long time, and they play small clubs. And if you like 
the motorhead vibe, you know, you'll yes. definitely like Super Suckers. Um, Excellent. Okay. okay. So, you know, I've seen them, gosh, 10 plus times over the years. And, you know, I'm talking to him about the pandemic and he's like, this could be the end of the road for us because, you know, if this doesn't change soon, we may have to actually go out and get a, a job. And I'm, he's like, I don't know what I'm qualified to do. And, and yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. a real thing. Yeah, this is what we do. This is what we know. What do we do now? It really is something that's going to continue into 2021. I don't know when shows are going to begin again. I mean, all these theaters keep pushing back the dates and, you know, postponing them again. So I don't know. I mean, I, I have no idea where this is going yeah. to go or how this is going to end and, you know, what the long-term effects are for, you know, all music, but rock and roll in particular. Yeah, yeah, me too. And, and I wish there were an end date, but there's not. So... Uh, you know, it, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know at this point, but you're right. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see 2021. And I have hope that, uh, you know, everybody will get back to it in 2021. We don't even know that yet, but yeah, uh, I'm keeping it positive. Yeah. You know, it's important. I mean, I love doing these podcasts. I love the discussions that I have. I love talking to the newer acts and some of the legacy guys that come on the show too, and getting everyone's perspective um, everyone's got their own individual point of view. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's great to hear that. Um, and I think, you know, doing stuff like this and, you know, having rock radio out there doing what you do, you know, is important for the cause because, you know, rock and roll needs every resource right now it can get. And hopefully fans start listening to new music. I mean, what better time to listen to new music when you're stuck at home? Right now, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Lots right. of time. I, of course, everybody's working on their own <laughs> new music right now. Right, but I'm just talking about the casual fan. You know, I mean, we're having this conversation and people are going to hear it. And, you know, they may not have listened to new rock music. Go listen to it. Go, go, go listen to it. It's You know, I mean, you're not yeah. going to like everything, but there's plenty of stuff out there that, you know, is for the classic rock band. Totally. Yeah, let's find that new artist that's going to exceed sales of 30, 40 million. There's not many uh, that have done that anyway. But yeah, let's, let's, let's find them. Well, Marcy, it's been great having you on. I love the conversation. Thanks for doing this. Anything you want to promote, you know, your social media, whatever else you're working on? Awesome. You know, yeah, come find me. Come, uh, let's, let's find each other on social at Marcy Weiser. It's uh, W-I-S-E-R. M-A-R-C-I-S-E-R. And, uh, yes, you can stream the station anytime. I'm happy to, to play your favorite rock song, <laughs> no matter where you live. No problem. Do it all the time. So, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Jay. I've got a request for you for Monday. Okay. Joyous Wolf Odyssey. Odyssey? Yeah. Okay. I've been playing Mother Rebel. That's a great song, too, but Odyssey is their new song. I'll do Odyssey. Okay. Yeah. I'll throw it on for you. Yeah. That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, thanks again, Marcy. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Come back anytime and, you know, we'll do this again. Awesome. Sounds good to you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Well, all right, everybody. Once again, this is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope everybody enjoyed the episode. Take care, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 